It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's a problem we already knew that existed. Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday. A to Z brought to you by our good friends at betonline.net. We've got a lot to do. Obviously, recap the Falcons and dogs. In fact, well, it was a better day uh, in Georgia on Saturday than it was on Sunday. Plus, the Braves know who they're playing in the NLDS, we've got plenty to do here. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zeno, M A R K Z I N N O. Give me a follow there as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give that thumbs up and like to all the content there as well. Don't forget, we're on Roku TV. Wherever you get your Roku TV, Amazon Fire Stick, download that app. Check out Locked On Sports Atlanta, all the shows here on the network. All right. Uh, yesterday, Atlanta Falcons fall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 21 to 15. It was the Falcons' lowest offensive output of the season. Uh, it was a game where they never came close to getting a lead. Within, let's talk about the last couple of minutes there in the drive. We'll get to the penalty call here in just a moment. Um, but what happened yesterday, to me, exposed something that I think everybody already knew was an issue and it's starting to bear itself out repeatedly here in games. And what is happening is, is you are finding out uh, how the playbook is to beat the Falcons, right? I mean, it's, you know, you're going to see this happen over and over and over again this year. I get the feeling because they are limited at the quarterback position. Now, some of you out there may be saying I'm piling on Mariota and uh, I've been doing it all offseason. That's fine. I'm pretty objective about what I see and the numbers back up what I'm seeing. But the bottom line here is that the Falcons are a team right now that cannot throw themselves back into a football game. They cannot overcome what feels like two score deficits with any relative ease because they can't move the ball down the field quickly. That's the problem. Save the Saints game in week one when they had a lead for the whole thing and their defense blew it down the stretch. Their offense obviously didn't score, but, you know, that game was the anomaly. Trailed to the Rams, never were able to take the lead back. Led the Seahawks the whole time, had control of the game. 
Led the Browns for most of the game, particularly from the second quarter on. Never let go of the game. Trailed the Buccaneers the whole game. Couldn't get back in it. The way to beat the Falcons is to get ahead of them early and force them to throw themselves back into a game. That's it. Because Mariota can't do it. Guys, for the Falcons, they are the third best rushing attack in the NFL. They have the third worst passing attack in the NFL. They only average 166 yards per game passing. They average 164 yards per game rushing. Like, yeah, there's really good things, but there's really bad things. And they're not going to be able to win football games, not in today's NFL, without being able to throw the ball with any measure of efficiency. It's just the way the league goes, guys. You know, the, the, the rules are skewed that way. The game is skewed that way. It's all you can do. <clears throat> so I think that's what's exposed yesterday. They don't have a quarterback right now who can throw the ball with any measure of accuracy. Guys, Marcus Mariota in the last two weeks, respectively, against Tampa Bay and Cleveland, in the first half of a game, five for 14 for 52 yards, zero touchdowns, five for 10 for 90 yards, zero touchdowns. You, you can't win games that way. Yes, they beat Cleveland, but again, they did it in a different manner, and they were in the lead. I mean, even go back to the game against the Rams, 8 for 15, 105 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. These are not net positives, and when you start the first half that way, you're going to start the second half most likely trailing. That's just what the, what the game script is. Now, Marcus Mariota does some things that are net positives for the team. Right, his legs keep plays alive, and 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 he's he's mostly smart with his decisions. I mean, he's an inaccurate thrower, and the completion percentage bears that out because he's got one of the lowest completion percentages in the NFL right now. He's back below sixty percent, and and that's an awful, awful, awful place to be. So there's nothing you can do about it. That's just just who he is as a quarterback, and you're not going to change that anytime soon. So this is what the Falcons have to live with. And this is what uh, Arthur Smith has to learn to deal with. I mean, of quarterbacks who qualify, the only quarterbacks with worse completion percentages than Marcus Mariota are Justin Fields and Baker Mayfield. Joe Flacco has a better completion percentage than Marcus Mariota. Mitch Trubisky has a better completion percentage than Marcus Mariota. Hell, Trevor Lawrence and Davis Mills have better completion percentages than Mark. Jacoby Brissett's got a better completion percentage than Marco Mariota. And that guy turns the ball over like it's his job. This is the problem the Falcons face. And it's part of something that I don't know that they can actually correct. Um, I was looking at numbers. And I think I saw that Mariota's only thrown five passes this year over 30 yards, over 20 yards, sorry. They got to figure out a way to stretch the field they got to figure out a way to make defenses think twice. It's something I'll talk to Arthur Smith today about at, at his press conference. Because, you know, talking about the penalty flag yesterday, I'm sure he is more than exhausted about doing. And so here we sit right now uh, in a situation where that flag and that call by Jerome Boger while I won't sit here and say it cost the Falcons the game, 
Hell, I won't even say that the Falcons would have tied the game. I, I, I won't, I wouldn't even say that. What I would say, very simply, is something I've held to for a couple of years now. The NFL needs to make every single damn flag reviewable. They need to make every single non-flag where it's an obvious holding call that gets missed reviewable. Every coach should have the ability to fix what the referees get wrong. And it's very simple. They don't get any more challenges. They don't get any. You get two challenges a game. Use them as you want, coach. If you get both of them right, you get a third one. That's it. Game won't take any longer. It won't be more of a stall. It's really, really simple. You can't sit here and tell me about the integrity of the game and have that call happen, especially with that justification from Jerome Boger, who told the pool reporter after the game that Grady Jarrett threw him to the ground unnecessarily. Well, by the definition of throwing, uh, that would mean he would have to actually release it. If I have a ball in my hand and I try to throw it to you, but it never actually leaves my hand, I've never thrown it. Period. Grady Jarrett never threw Tom Brady, grabbed him around the hips, wrapped him, rolled with him, and put him on the ground. That's called form tackling. And how cute was Arthur Smith yesterday? I got to coach it better. Dear Lord, there's nothing you need to coach better, Art. I get it. I get I get it. That's what you have to say. You're not going to call it. I, I get it. We all get it, Art. And you'll get asked about it again today because I'm going to ask him, what could you have possibly coached better now that you've looked at the film? That was a perfect form tackle, and everybody in America knows it. There's nothing else you can do. It was a horse bleep call. It sucked, and that's what it was. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say it cost the Falcons the game because I don't believe that it did. What I am going to say is that, well, that needs to be able to be fixed. There is legitimately no reason at this point in time that you can't go to a replay call center in New York to have somebody look at a a 10-second piece of film and go, okay, this was what the ref said it was, and it wasn't. And let's not do this thing we did with the, the, the pass interference review, like where, you know, go oh God, we're so scared to overturn. Just call the damn thing right. You're the freaking NFL for crying out loud. Get it right. This is ridiculous. It's embarrassing to this league that churns out hundreds of billions of dollars that they can't make this small little investment to make sure that calls are right in the game. Complete crap yesterday. Just an awful, awful, awful display. And it should grade out and, and at least at least publicly grade these officials for when they make mistakes. Don't have to fire them unless the, the mistakes get too egregious, but you, you need to publicly grade them out. Period. Because that was a joke yesterday. What's not a joke is betonline.net. Why? Because it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find news and reviews of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. It's all right there. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting. Scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And if you followed me this weekend with all my betting tips, uh, you were unhappy. I apologize. I'll do better. It happens to the best of us. Not a great week for us. We will. We shall return. We shall come back from the depths. Of other than a couple of plays that I gave out, uh, UCLA, uh, Giants, Saints games, I talked about. You know, uh, it was a big swing and a miss, man. Boy, Carolina stinks. Boy, Baker Mayfield is awful. And I really don't feel like that handicap was that far off, to be honest with you. But you have to be inside the gambling world to know what I'm talking about. I know what the results say, and you're not going to agree with me. But still, anyway, let's move on. Um, you know, I wanted to uh, shift to college football here because I think it's important uh, to note Georgia and how they played uh, in, in handling Auburn uh, and where they are right now. And oh, by the way, I have to ask a question. What the hell do the AP voters have against Ohio State at this point? Why is Ohio State nothing? Why are we flip-flopping Georgia and Alabama and leaving Ohio State at number two? Like, Ohio State's the only team this year, I think, that hasn't had one of those games that make you go, huh? Really? They haven't given up more than 21 points in any single game. With the exception of the opener, they've scored at least 45 in every single game. What the hell are we doing here? Why don't we like Ohio State? Well, I, I know why we don't like Ohio State, but I get it. Anyway, uh, Georgia has a very solid game against Al, uh, against Auburn. Auburn is, guys, they're bad. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, I would say I think that Georgia cut down on the mistakes, still had a missed field goal, uh, still had a turnover in the game. Those things got to get cleaned up. And I think that Georgia certainly is in a position now where, you know, uh, over the course of the next three weeks, they have a chance to get right again against Vanderbilt. They'll get a bye. They'll beat up on Florida. And then they get the three toughest games on their schedule, which nobody really thought were going to be tough games when the season started. Tennessee at Sanford Stadium and then back-to-back road games at Mississippi State and Kentucky. And if Kentucky doesn't get Will Levis back, that game becomes a lot easier because that offense without Will Levis is, uh, is bad. bad. But Georgia cleaned it up for the most part, and you feel good about – the way that they played. And I'll say this, and I said it Saturday on Twitter, and then people started uh, clapping back at me because Stetson Bennett had a 64-yard touchdown run. But can we end the Stetson Bennett-Heisman conversation at this point? Like, okay, it was a thing. It's not a thing anymore. He's not in the Heisman conversation. He's not a Heisman quarterback. I was happy to see that Kirby Smart went back to kind of in certain contests going, you know what, we're just going to pound the ball. We're just going to run the ball down their throats. We don't need to get complicated. We don't need to get fancy. We're better up front than they are. Let's just push them around for four quarters and get the hell out of here. They should do the same thing next week. They should do the same thing next week. They don't really need to get fancy again until they play Florida because Florida can do some things, but Anthony Richardson is limited as a quarterback, and Florida should have paced Missouri. Richardson was terrible in that game. Terrible. So. It really is um, one of those things where this Georgia team still has everything in front of them that they need to accomplish. The only team that's going to beat Georgia is Georgia. Similarly, the only team that can beat Alabama 
is Alabama. Alabama made a ton of mistakes against AM. It almost cost them the game. Uh, you can't play a game the way Bama played if they play Georgia like that. Heck, they can't play Tennessee next week like that. They can't commit four turnovers in a game. Period. And and if they if AM this year had any sense of a capable quarterback, they uh they might be undefeated at this point. I, I truly believe that. I genuinely, truly believe that. That if AM had a capable quarterback, they certainly don't lose to App State. Um, they wouldn't lose to Mississippi State. And they certainly could have beaten Bama. But if Sputz and whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, voice is a little hoarse this morning. A lot of yelling at the TV yesterday. So Georgia sits right where they need to be. And it was a very interesting weekend in college football. Uh, a lot, if you're not watching the Pac-12 right now, it's getting very, very interesting up top. Between UCLA and USC, who are both 6-0, Oregon is 5-1. Of course, their only loss was to Georgia. Um, you have three teams out there right now vying for a lot. And even Utah, who got beat again, um, you know, Utah has one chance to get themselves back in the Pac-12 championship game, and that is beating USC this week. And I still think USC is underrated. I think USC, they come in at seven, and again, I know the polls don't mean everything. I think they're better than Tennessee. Uh, I think they're better than Michigan. And for me, they, they might be better than Clemson too. Like, USC should be a top-five team. And Michigan's gonna. Michigan's offense is struggling, man. I don't know if you guys watch Michigan at all. That is not an offense that feels like it could win a national title. Their defense was better last year, but their offense was better too. And they still got smoked. But again, it's unfair because they played Georgia and Georgia was all world last year. So, you know, there's that. It's going to be interesting to see how the next couple of weeks unfold. Um, TC remains undefeated. They have a big game coming up this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. The Big 12 all of a sudden starts to get interesting. Oklahoma State looks really good offensively. Uh, and how can we even get – for all the talk that we're talking about, all these other conferences, Ole Miss, by the way, is still 6-0 and in the SEC. It was crazy. They were tra- If you didn't watch the game, they were trailing Vanderbilt 20-17 to and half and then scored 35 unanswered points in the second half. Yeah, welcome, Vanderbilt. Good job. Uh, all right, coming up next, uh, we will get into some Braves news. We know where they're playing, plus uh, – Alex Anthopoulos does what Alex Anthopoulos does. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. But first, it's time for a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do it. We love to set people straight, hit them right upside the head with a shovel, give them some wisdom. You can do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O, or choose the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. Today, my shovel goes to Buck Showalter in the New York Mets. Couldn't be happier to give out this shovel right there, Falcons fans. Uh, Yeah. Well, the Mets were disgusting all weekend. That was gross, uh, especially on Friday night. That was really gross. They should have been a lot better. They weren't. Um, it was unreal how... Uh, they they 
performed. I, I was literally shocked. I thought that they were going to be better. I really thought that they were going to bounce back and beat the Padres. I Shame on me. But last night, in the middle of a game where you're getting one hit in the fifth inning, Buck Showalter sending the umpires out to check uh, Joe Musgrove's ears was one of the more fugazi moves out there, right? Uh, it just was not something that had a good look to it. it was, you were grasping at straws. You were trying so bad to find a reason why your guys couldn't hit. Musgrove's been great all year long. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the reason to believe he started cheating now? Come on. Like, just laughable stuff. It was, it was, the, it was the last sign of undignity by the Mets as they were getting eliminated after a 101-win regular season. So, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing for the Mets, and I don't think anybody's going to shed a tear from that's for damn sure. But I absolutely will tell you that, uh, yeah, you know, it was gross. It was gross. All right, let's move on. The Atlanta Braves know who they're taking on, but first, we wake up this morning. If you paid attention, Alex Anthopoulos did it again. The Braves signed Spencer Strider to a six-year contract, buying out his arbitration worth $75 million. That runs through the 2028 season. And for all of you math majors out there like me who are doing it right now, 75 divided by six is $12.5 million a year. Yeah. You know, i got to ask one question. When are these Braves players going to start to learn that you're not getting the better end of this deal? <laughs> when are they going to start to learn to go, yeah, they're pulling one over on us. Yeah, they are. They are. Bird in the hand, man. I, I guess that's what it is for all these young young players in the Braves that they keep signing to these deals. Bird in the hand. It's unreal. You know, it, it, it absolutely is one of those deals where uh, I don't know how Alex Anthopoulos convinces these kids to sign these deals, but he keeps doing it. Twelve and a half million. Dear Lord. By the time he hits his arbitration years, he would make 18 or 19 if he keeps pitching at the level that he's pitching. They just stole more money from young players. It should be illegal. It should be illegal. I mean, I don't know how he gets away with it. I, I, good for him. But, you know, whatever. All right, so the Braves uh, take on the Philadelphia Phillies. And this is the matchup I didn't want. I think the Braves are going to be okay. If Spencer Strider is pitching, I know they'll be okay. If he's not, I'm going to be bothered. Strider has absolutely dominated the Phillies this year. He's been insane. I mean, he's dominated everybody. Uh, and so I am somebody who looks at this whole series, and I worry about the Phillies lineup. I don't worry necessarily about their pitching. I think the Braves will score. But there's always a propensity for bats to go silent. Look at the Mets. It's like the Mets hit the ball in the ballpark a lot, but they just didn't hit the ball at all. You know, and so uh, I, I am concerned how this series will play out, especially if, you know, they get to Max in game one. You know, I mean, it, it really is one of those deals where if the Phillies bats remain hot the way they just did through the through the series against the Cardinals, then this could be a five-game deal. But Strider pitching in game two is everything because he'll shut it down. 
So there is that. I mean, if the Braves are going to advance, they've got to get two good starts early on. Um, and they've got to figure out a way to score runs. Now, you know, when you look at the uh, the matchups from a pitching standpoint and who they're going to face and how the thing is going to line up, and I don't think the Braves are going to do much tweaking, if you will, in reference to, you know, uh, how they're going to play things. But, uh, you know, again, they still haven't activated Schwarber off the DL yet. Um, and in this first game, they haven't even announced. I mean, we know Kyle, Kyle, uh, Kyle, dear Lord, Max Fried is going in game one. I'm looking at a picture of Kyle Schwarber on my screen. So I got all screwed up there, but Max Fried's going game one. I, I'm not, I'm not sure the Phillies have announced who they're taking yet. And I guess they don't have to probably until tomorrow when they have to declare the NLDS rosters. Uh, all that said, the Braves probably have the pitching advantage. I think the lineups are equal. Uh, and obviously home field may help them out one way or another. Braves took the regular season series against the Phillies 11 to eight, excuse me, you know, but the Phillies had their fair share of pretty convincing wins over the Braves as well. And so, uh, this is a lineup not to be, not to be doubted. So there's that. Uh, and then finally, uh, for people who are upset about the Braves and where they're playing, uh, as they get the one o'clock start or the 12 o'clock start in game one and the four o'clock start in game two, guys, you had to know that was coming. With the Yankees and Dodgers, you had to know that that was coming. The Dodgers obviously will get the last game because they're on the West Coast, and the Yankees will get the latest game on the East that they can get. Like, you can't be upset about that. You, you legitimately can't. Those are the two biggest media markets in the country and the two biggest brands in the country when it comes to baseball. Clearly, that's where they were going. You cannot be upset about that. So, I mean, you know, cut school. You know, take the kids out and go right to the ballpark. Get up, have breakfast, and see you. See you down at Truist. That's the way it's going to go. All right, we have a lot to do uh, here this week. Uh, and, again, I'm excited to get out to uh, Arthur Smith's press conference today. We'll have some reaction on that tomorrow. Of course, we'll know a little bit more about the uh, NLDS and where they're going. And uh, obviously, uh, we are getting very close to basketball season starting up as the Hawks took some games in Abu Dhabi, in Dubai, if you will. So uh, we will start that conversation later on this week as well. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Of course, follow the entire network at Locked on ATL on Roku TV. Now, wherever you get your Roku TV, download the app on your Fire Stick or wherever you get it. Check out the entire Locked on Sports Atlanta network. And again, give them a follow on Twitter at Locked on ATL. Back tomorrow for a Tuesday show. You guys have a great day. Don't do the crap from anybody. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 